0: kick things off. It is a Thursday edition of Sportsnet Today, and we are live from the Doug Lacey's Basin Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Logan Gordon along with you, alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon with you for the next two hours. It's a busy program. We'll talk some Jays baseball off the top after a disastrous outing for the Jays in Baltimore. Their struggles against the Orioles continue. Rasmus Anderson, Flames defenseman, joined Elliott Friedman on 32 Thoughts. Here's some comments from uh, Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson on potential captaincy. Expectations heading into the season. We'll hear from Rasmus a little bit later on as well. Plus, the big news in the NHL still revolving around the Toronto Maple Leafs and Austin Matthews. After he signs that massive four-year contract extension, we'll check in on the Leafs with our pal Brent Gunning from Sportsnet 5 to the fan in Toronto. And it's a Thursday, so we'll check in with Adnan Verk, MLB Network, NHL Network, the Cinephile Podcast. He'll join us in hour two uh, when Pat Steinberg joins the program this afternoon. But very excited uh, to be here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. We have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. And again, starting off with the Toronto Blue Jays uh, as this critical series against the Baltimore Orioles continue. They were able to pick up a win in Game 1. Not the same in Game 2 with how it all went down last night. Here's your Jays report with Taylor Dingman.
1: Time now for the Jays report on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Here's Taylor Dingman.
2: Last night was not the game the Blue Jays were hoping for as the action unfolded in the bottom of the third as Ryan Mountcastle's single to center field allowed Gunnar Henderson to score, giving the Orioles an early 1-0 lead. In the fifth inning, Anthony Santander stepped up and launched a powerful home run to right field extending the Orioles' lead 2 to nothing. The Orioles kept the momentum going in the eighth inning with Trevor Richards on the mound. Anthony Santander once again sent a homer over the right field wall. A wild pitch by Richards allowed Mountcastle to score and a sacrifice fly by Cedric Mullins brought in Ryan O'Hearn. Adley Rutchman's single drove in two more runs, solidifying the Orioles' 7 to nothing victory. Now let's shift our focus to the upcoming game. Injury updates reveal that Chad Green is set to rejoin the team on September 1st when the rosters expand following his recovery from Tommy John's surgery. Tonight's game will feature Jose Barrios on the mound for the Blue Jays with an impressive 10-0 win record along with an ERA of 2.66 in 13 appearances against the O's. Facing Barrios will be Kyle Gibson of the Orioles. Gibson boasts a solid record of seven wins and two losses backed by an ERA of 4.23 in 13 appearances against the Blue Jays. First pitch is scheduled for 5.05 p.m., so make sure you tune in right here on Sportsnet 960 to catch all the action.
0: Catch the Blue Jays all season
1: long, right here on Calgary's home of the Blue Jays, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Thank you, Taylor. Yes, things fell apart for the Jays in the top of the eighth last night, and uh, Kevin Gosman got the start. Solid performance from Gauze, but just not enough from the Jays. Uh, here is uh, what happened in the top of the eighth when the Orioles blew it wide open.
3: That's Santander Homer, a huge swing in this game. Blue Jays have only put one runner in scoring position today and just have not had any offensive success in and making it a loop in a blast game instead of a one swing game. Huge deal. Santander slams another one way back and way gone. Two Homer night for Anthony Santander. It's three nothing Orioles. 0-2. Change up in the dirt off the chest of Jansen. Runners are going to advance. Throw to second into center field. That'll score a run. As getting up from third base and jogging home is Ryan Malcastle. Into third is Ryan O'Hearn. Jansen only got a piece of it. It rolled up the first baseline. They had a shot at second until he threw the ball over the head of Whit Merrifield. It's four nothing. 3-2. Liner up the middle. Base hit. That should score two. Already in Westburg, coming around Urias. He will score. It's 7-0 for the Orioles.
0: That's where it would end off, and it led to some frustration post game as the Jays' win streak is stopped at 3. They look to continue to get some momentum as the series continues tonight, but as you hear from Kevin Gosman here, there needs to be some urgency from this Jays team down the stretch.
4: You know, I think that's one of the hardest things about baseball, but also um, one of the easiest is that we play every day. So there's no time to, you know, in football, they play once a week. So if you have a really bad game, you're sitting around for a week waiting to, you know, have another chance. Whereas, you know, these guys are going to be in the batter's box tomorrow at 7 o'clock ready to go. So, um, you know, you got to know that, um, you know, we're just waiting for that you know, that, that big stretch. And we've kind of been waiting for that all year. And, um, you know, is it going to happen? I don't know. You know, I I hope it does. I hope it starts tomorrow. Um, but we can't keep sitting back and waiting on that. You know, we gotta, we gotta go now and, um, we need a little bit more sense of urgency.
0: That last part there, probably the most important from Kevin Gosman. They've been waiting to get on a good stretch this year. It just hasn't happened Is it going to? Well, like Kevin Gessman says, he doesn't know, but we sure hope so. And we'll see again tonight if the Jays can start up on the right foot. 505 first pitch right here on Sportsnet 960. Barrios versus Gibson. You can also watch this one on the Sportsnet television network. Shifting over to hockey, uh, 32 Thoughts, the podcast with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman ramping back up as the hockey season approaches. Had some big guests over the last couple of days as the uh, NHL's European media tour has been on in Sweden. Elias Pedersen, William Nylander, part of their uh, guests on the podcast that came out this Thursday. And one of those guests also, Flames defenseman Rasmus Anderson And no explosive bombshells here from Ras. Nothing uh, that needs Flames fans to get worried about. But some interesting comments, no doubt, uh, from Rasmus, as he's asked about the captaincy situation. A bit of a look into what it was last year. Uh, for Michael Backlund, who assumed a large leadership role, and, and also just how he's feeling. We've heard so much about the the positive nature and the positive feeling that this team has under Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska heading into a new season. He was asked about that and more. Here's uh, Rasmus Anderson with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on the latest edition of the 32 Thoughts podcast.
4: Uh, Rasmus, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Yep. Um, nice to be in Sweden. What's the best part of it?
5: Malmo. Southern part, uh, wow. uh, close to Copenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part about it. Oh God, the best part oh about Malmo is, uh, <laughs> you're close to Copenhagen. Cook ferry. <laughs> yeah. No, you just take the bridge 20 minutes here right. downtown. Uh, no, that's but, fantastic. Um, Stockholm is a beautiful city, Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, I never really liked Stockholm before, but, uh, last two, three years, my wife has always loved it. And uh, so mm-hmm. we come up here and, you know, spend... Spent at least two weekends a summer here. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people move up here to study. And so we got a few friends here and that we hang out with when we're here. Nice. Uh,
6: well, that's going to be the headline. Rasmus Anderson: colon Stockholm sucks. Yeah,
5: exactly. <laughs> Clickbait. <laughs> Clickbait. Here we go. <laughs> yeah.
4: thanks Another for one. <laughs> e- thanks for the easy headline, Raz. Thanks for the easy headline. Yeah. I think a lot of people, and I would imagine, you know, uh, someone on the team as well, are looking at the Calgary flames and, and wondering what's going to happen and what the team is going to look like and who's staying and who's going, et cetera. Um, new GM, new coach to is now with the New Jersey devils. What questions as a member of the flames do you have about your team?
5: Honestly, not too much. Uh, you know, I trust the direction we're heading in and I trust, uh, you know, I've known Conroy since, um, since 2015 when I got drafted and, uh, I know Connie, how much he loves the Flames, and uh, he wants what's best for the team, and um, so it's not something I question. I trust Connie, and I, you know, I worked with Ryan Huska for, since my first year in Stockton, I've had him. He was my head coach for two years, now my assistant coach for five years, so um, I know how good of a coach Ryan is, and um, I'm excited to, you know, get to work with Huska as the head coach, because... uh, I know how much he has developed me personally, uh, over the last seven, eight years. And, um, so I got full confidence in both of them and, uh, you guys know it's a business with, uh, all the contracts and, uh, you know, when people have one year left in the deal, you know, I think it's, I think it's so, it's so different, right. With, uh, if you compare Lindholm to Backlund, yeah. for example, you know, Bax has been in Calgary for what, 15 years yeah. and, uh. And, you know, if you're Michael, you're what, 34, 35 years old, you haven't won. And he said it himself. He said it in the media. It's like, you know what? As of right now, I'm not going to resign, but you know, if the team is doing well and we got a chance to win, I'm going to resign, but I'm going to wait and see how this year plays out. I want to win. Every player wants to win a Stanley cup and he hasn't done it. So, and with Lindy, it's business. It's got to work for both sides of uh, both Mm -hmm. sides of it. And, uh, and with that, you know, you don't pay too much attention to it because you hear from everyone else. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I personally have been in this situation, but you hear from everyone that, you know, when it's business, it's business. You know, it's got to work for both sides of it. And um, so f- with Lindy, that part, you know, you're staying out of it. With Bax, you understand. And, you know, I think Tanny is in a similar situation. You know, if, if we're good, they love the city. They, You know, Bax has lived there for 15 years and, I know Chris loves the city too. And, uh, so, you know, it's two different worlds and, uh, it's hard to compare. And, uh, but, you know, uh, you know, I think the guys are just excited to head back because I, they know what happened last year. And we, we mm-hmm. want to prove everyone wrong that we are a good team. We, you know, we, we lost 17 games in overtime. It's like, that hasn't happened before. And it's, if we win five of those, we're in a playoff by three, four points. So it's, uh, I think we all got that chip on our shoulder this year, and um, we want to prove uh, the doubt wrong.
4: we're See, that's why I think the Calgary Flames are the ultimate wild card yeah. this year in, in the NHL. Because, listen, we all know how good this team can be, and we all know what we saw last season, where it was false start after false start yeah. after false start. Do you have a sense of how good this team can be?
5: Well, it's funny about last season, too. The one game that really s- sticks out for me is we, we play Boston at home, the best team in the season, right? And, you know, win the shots like 50 to 15. We outplay them by a margin, yeah. and we lose in overtime. Like, that's how our year felt like. You know, we, we had, what, 50 games, one goal games, and it's like we didn't win those games. Like, so how do we, you know get that extra point and win the game, maybe in regulation instead of overtime, you know, we, we can't be scared of losing a game. We got to, you know, go out and win it in the third and not just, oh, you know, we take one point yeah. here, you know, we go out and win it in the third and, you know, not be scared of losing, go out and win the game instead. And I think that was a difference between two years ago and last year where, you know, we had Johnny and Matthew and Lindy, you know, when they were really connecting, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't lose a the game. They, you know, they have four, three, four points each a night. And, you know, when you don't have those players, you got to win as a collective. You got to win as a team. And it felt like we were just, we were scared of taking the chance towards the end of the games to go out and really win the game instead mm. of, you know what, let's go out and win it. Let's not play for the tie. Let's not, you know. And in overtime, let's, you know, let's keep the puck. Let's make plays. Let's, you know, score when we got to score. And it was like, it just felt like, you know, at times we were scared of winning the games.
6: You know, uh, one one of your teammates, I talked after the season, you know, he said to me, you know, last year, it just from the moment the Kachuk trade happened, it's just like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Yeah, Like it was shock for everybody involved. Like the Goodrow thing was a shock in one way. The Kachuk trade was a shock for another way, including the players we traded at Calgary. Then he said there was just so much noise. Yeah. He, he said to me, "You know what we need? We need boredom. Yeah. And just quiet and play. Yeah." He said it's hard because if you mentioned the business side of the contracts would have to get done, but he said if we can just have a quiet year, everything here is going to be fine.
5: Yeah. It feels like it's never a quiet year though with the Canadian market, right? <laughs> it's a
6: Canadian market. Yeah. Uh... And you know, I you know, we kind of <laughs> laughed about that, but he he just said like we just don't need drama. Like, that's what he said. Last year, there was too much drama.
5: Yeah. No, I agree with you. And it's, it's so hard too, right? Because the the fans are so passionate, you know, they, they make, you know, they talk about every player, they evaluate every player, you know, it's, so it's like, it's so hard to have a quiet year, but it's like, if you play in a Canadian market, you got to embrace the chaos. I feel like that's the one thing about it. You got to embrace the chaos. And, I felt like we were, you know, with the shock you said about the Chucky trade. You were like, I I woke up, I was in Sweden, and obviously with the time difference, yes, and, and I I woke up. I had like eighty texts on my phone. You know, I and I wake up with my son at like six thirty a.m. and I had like eighty texts, and I was like, what the hell is going on? And I, you know, you open Twitter, you're like, Jesus, and then you're like, Jesus, we got Weeksy and Hubie and the first round and the prospect. You're like. You know, your head was going and going and going, and then you know you want to make everyone feel welcome into the team, and you know for them it was probably a shock too because you know they will only played in Florida, right? And mm-hmm. you know going from a small market to a, a big market, it's probably a shock for everyone, and and you know that's why I'm excited for this year. It's like you know Johnny's got to get his feet under him. He's gonna he has something to prove this year, you know. Everyone talked about, you know, the biggest downfall from a year from another with him, you know, point-wise. And it's like, well, you know how good of a player he is. He's a really good player, and he's he has everything you need to succeed. And I feel like he, he's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder this year and and be one of the best players again. I have no doubt about that. And, you know, with Weeksy everyone was like, well, he didn't have the same points, but he was like one of the best defensive defensemen in the whole league. In like every statistic category, he was one of the best. The points came after the all-star break. That's when the points came for him. So like after the all-star break, he was arguably one of the best defensemen in the league. So it's like if we just come together and as you say, maybe quiet, but you can't have quiet in the Canadian market because everyone always writes something about the team. So it's like embrace the chaos and let's just play. Let's have the swagger. Let's have the chip on our shoulders. Go and prove everyone that how good of a team we are. And let you know, let's have some fun along the way, not just like the business side of it. Or you know, we mm-hmm. got to win the game. Let's have fun. Let's you know, it felt like we had fun in the group, but we didn't have that much fun at the rink. Yes, you know, like we just gotta have fun at the rink. Have fun in practices. You know, when we practice, we practice, but have fun before and after. I feel like that's going to be a really big change this year when, you know, the guys are going to come in and have a chip on my shoulder. I'm going to have a chip on my shoulder. You know, I got to be better. Everyone's got to be better. And that's the way it is in the Canadian market. There's no, you can't hide anywhere. You know, everyone knows in Calgary who you are and who you represent and who you're playing for. So it's like, let's embrace it. Let's play. Let's have fun. Let's win games. Let's not be scared of losing. And I feel like that's the mentality we got to have.
6: In the middle of all that chaos last year, you had a great year. You played really well, and it also came at a time where you suffered a pretty traumatic injury. And, you know, I saw you spoke to one of the Swedish newspapers about it, and what someone said to me is that you played well, serious injury, very hard year, and the way you're talking right now about embracing the chaos, They said, you could be the captain of this team. Like, does that appeal to you?
5: I mean, you know, with social media these days, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about it, but, you know, it's... Let's put it this way. It's something you would never turn down, and no player in the league would ever turn it down, and I would obviously love to be the captain of the Calgary Flames, but I I feel like we have a lot of good leaders on our team, and, you know, whoever Connie and Husk, because they're such a smart person, whoever they pick, it's going to be the right pick, and I would obviously embrace the challenge, as I just said, embrace the challenge and embrace the opportunity, but... You know, if it's me, it's me. If it's not me, it's someone else. And whoever they pick, it's going to be the right call because I have so much trust in Husk and Connie and the owners in Calgary that they're going to make the right call. And I feel like that's something we've missed last few years. You know, in the Canadian market, you need someone to step up towards the media, towards the coaches, towards the owners, because there's so much pressure on the players that, you know, when we had Geo, you know, he would he would embrace that and he would, I'm the captain and I'll I'll take this one. You know, Bax did it to a point last year, but even he, he said to me, he's like, I'm like, Bax, you are the captain. He's like, no, I know ish, but you know, I don't have the seat, so I can't do everything I want to. And it's such a fine line with that because in our room, we also Bax is the captain. Right. But for him, it's hard, right? When we see him as the captain, but he's not the captain. And I feel like in a Canadian market, you really do need one. And, you know, if it's me, if it's Weeks, if it's Backs, Johnny, whatever, whoever it is, it's it's gonna be the right call and it's gonna be the right step for our franchise to take the next step. Okay, last one for me. How are you doing? Like good. just physically after everything? Yeah. I'm good. I took um, I took five weeks off after a season. Uh, I just honestly didn't really do anything. We, we me and the family went to uh, to Spain. Just to get away from everything, from all the chaos and stuff, and uh, and so I'm doing well now. It's just um, you know, it's kind of the talking point of the summer, right? When I see my friends and family, everyone always asks me how I'm doing, but I'm I'm doing okay and I'm fine now, and I'm I'm ready to embrace the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Never a dull moment
4: in the Canadian hockey market. (laughs) Exactly, uh, you you wear it well, and you're very well cut out for it. Best of luck with the Flames this year. I I think it's going to be one of the more interesting teams to follow. Thanks so much. Me
5: too. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: There you go, Rasmus Anderson, Calgary Flames defenseman, on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, and of course available wherever you get your podcasts. And some interesting stuff there at the end about the captaincy. There's another player that has put his name in the hat that would love to be the captain of the Calgary Flames. Another guy like Mackenzie Weger, you know, talking about guys that want to be in Calgary. And another interesting point back to last year, not that we want to rerun it over and over again, but more of that this group might have had leaders on it, and we all believe that, but, you know, he mentioned Michael Backlund trying to be that guy and trying to be that middle ground between the players and the coach and the GM, and he only felt like he could do so much because he wasn't the captain. He didn't have that C on his jersey. So clearly there was a disconnect between being a a leader in the room and, and just how far a guy like Michael Backlund, who's been here a very long time, felt he could take it without actually having that captaincy. And I think that's why we've heard so much about it. I think it's why Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska have made it a priority and made it known that there's going to be a captain starting this year. Whoever it is, I think has a pretty good idea after the last couple of seasons of what this group needs from that position. And I think the group's going to be better off having uh, a dedicated player to wear that captaincy, whether it's Rass, whether it's Uyghur, whether it's somebody else we haven't talked as much about. I think it's only going to be a good thing for the Calgary Flames. So, uh, great interview there with uh, Jeff and Elliot, and uh, good news for sure that Rasmus is feeling a hundred percent and fully recovered after that scary incident when they were on the road in Detroit. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. More hockey talk around the corner. Fallout from the Austin Matthews contract extension in Toronto. Our pal Brent Gunning is going to join us from Sportsnet five ninety The Fan. That is next. This is Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet nine sixty The Fan. Talk around the NHL world has been dominated the last 24 hours or so by the news out of Toronto yesterday when Austin Matthews seemingly broke the news himself about a contract extension with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's a four-year deal for the Leafs superstar that resets the top payment for one of the league's top players. And it's one of the big pieces of business that Brad Living had On his to-do list in his first summer as the Leafs GM, but now where do we go from here if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs? What kind of window are they in to contend with Austin Matthews now locked up for the next five seasons? It's Logan Gordon along with you. This is Sportsnet Today. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Chat all things Austin Matthews and the Leafs. It's our pal Brent Gunning from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Brent, happy Thursday, pal. How are you? I'm doing well, Logan. How's it going, man? Not too bad. I uh, see so you've been uh, up early in Toronto the last couple of days. Are you a morning show guy, or is that a tough get up for you?
1: No, it's fine. That's, uh, that's where I made my bones. I was a morning show intern uh, 100 years ago. So, yeah, I'm a morning guy. I uh, I got a little little kid at home, so it's either working in the morning or being up doing that. So I uh, might as well get the work out of the way, I guess. Yeah, no problems for me.
0: And I guess this is one of those easy summer shifts to walk into when you've got uh, news like the Austin Matthews news we got yesterday. Uh, initial reaction when, uh, I, I don't know whether it was when Austin tweeted it himself or when the... Insider started breaking it what uh, what went through your mind as that came through?
1: Well, I gotta say the happiest time ever was between the time between Matthew's tweeting that he's <laughs> gonna stay and the deals of the contract coming out because then we could dream you know we could imagine maybe it's five years, maybe it's thirteen million if it's just gonna be four uh, yeah i I think relief is first and foremost the thing that everybody felt when they saw the tweet from Matthews and then I think just based on all the conversations everyone was having about this there was no version of this contract that Leafs Nation was going to be over the moon about other than the fact that he signed and I think that that is the first second third and fourth most important thing but yeah when the contract details came out Maybe there were some people who were so locked in that it was going to be a three-years, you say, hey, you got the extra fourth, and that's pretty good. But, uh, yeah, the the best time for reaction, anyways, was seeing it from Matthews himself before we saw the uh, the details from Friedman and the like.
0: What was your take on the four years? Because it sure seemed to me, from the outside looking in, this was never going to be a six-, seven-, eight-year contract. And if I'm a Leafs fan, Brent, I have to admit, if I'm going to buy four years of anybody's career, especially the way the NHL is now, I'm okay buying years 25 to 29 or whatever it is for Austin Matthews rather than whatever the potential is of, of 30 to 33, even if it is still good production from him.
1: Well, I think the only the only flip side of that is that this sets you up for a – maybe uncomfortable is too strong of a term. But right now, exactly what you just said, everyone says, ah, even if it's four years, give them the moon, who cares? I would imagine, and I can't believe we're already doing this, but I would imagine the next one for Austin Matthews is the eight-year contract. that takes him until he is 38 years old or something along those lines. So you're right. Buying up years 26 to 30, way better than buying up years 30 to 38 are going to be. But it keeps coming back to – just him being the outlier across the league and it's not him but it's all the leaf guys and you know i know there's been some some noise out of vancouver that elias peterson isn't going to necessarily just be a good soldier and take his eight-year deal and they're going to go on until somebody else in the league takes this tact i think that's where the frustration is going to stem from nobody is sitting here and saying These guys can't do this. The frustration stems from them being the only one to do this in a sport. And we always talk about it as though lots of sports have caps. Lots of sports don't have caps like this. In baseball, you want to spend money. All it means is you got to spend more. In basketball, once you get guys, you can go above the cap to keep them. And in football, I mean, who knows what chicanery is going on there. You can move money around from year to year. But in the NHL, it is a hard and fast, and that's why it matters the most so that's where the frustration is going to come from until somebody else some other superstar player takes this tact i mean somebody made the point to me this morning that matthew kachuk pointed out austin matthews as the guy who made him realize the route he could take in calgary for the for getting to the ufa and the big qualifying number and then guess what he did he signed an eight-year deal with the team he actually wanted to play for sorry guys but that's The frustration lies with that Matthews won't even do that. You're hearing Matthew Kachuk and other guys across the league say, ah, that's really smart. I love the way he did that. Not for me. I'm just going to take my eight-year deal and go about my business. So I think that's where the frustration continues to lie.
0: Did he do the Leafs uh, a favor? In your mind, did he leave money on the table even on a four-year deal? I don't. I'm sure some
1: people will make the argument that, oh, if he would have got to open market, somebody would have given that. I, I, I think that's fair to say. I also don't think you can sit there with a straight face and say he left money on the table. Nathan McKinnon is a year removed from signing a deal that eats up more of his prime for a longer time at less money, and he's won a cup. Now, Matthews has the heart and individual accolades, I suppose. Could stand out more in a contract negotiation, but no, I don't. I don't think you can look at this as they did him a solid. I think if you're going to make that concession at all, you say it's that he really only wanted three years and it's fourth. But I don't think you can look at that term or that that AAV and say he really made any concessions. I, if he would have signed the exact deal Nathan McKinnon signed, then yeah, you could have made a big case for concessions. If he would have signed this AAV with eight years as opposed to four, then I think maybe you could have made those arguments. But with this one, with the term where it is, I don't think any way you can see it that way.
0: Has this calmed down the the market a bit in in terms of the worry that was around this team going forward? Or is it still immediately to, okay, well, William Nylander's up next year. We've brought in a bunch of guys that are one-year deals. The window still kind of fluctuating as far as contention goes? Or is there a bit of a, a settling down now that the biggest piece that we, we knew they were going to worry about this summer has gone pen to paper.
1: It's, it's so funny how perception colors this. Cause I was thinking about that and to tie it back to what you just last asked me about the term. And if he left any money, if it was less of a certainty that Austin Matthews was going to sign this contract. Cause I, in talking with everyone I talked about, whether it be league people and people I'm having on my shows, insiders or, you know, just friends who also care about this team, there was no worry that Matthews was going to go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, if the, and it's funny to say that because, you know, obviously you love to live in that world where you didn't have to worry about that. But if there was a worry that he was going to leave, you would maybe feel differently about the four-year deal of saying, oh, thank God he just signed. Okay, who cares what the numbers are? But because there was never really a worry for most people about him leaving, I think that's what changes the perception. And then just to bring it back to your question about panic I, or or if it calms things down, I don't think there was ever any lack or, or any lack of certainty or any angst about this one specifically. There's always going to be angst in leafland they they uh they brought in some nice pieces this summer but they're also going to be shopping the pto market like they were last year i think where the angst lies is around nylander I'm sure you saw the comments like everybody yesterday. To me, that just removed all the angst. That said, oh, okay, William Nylander's not going to do this until he's a UFA next year. And if that's with the Leafs, great. And if that's with somebody else, I think that's maybe where this is trending. So I actually think all the stuff you got over the last 48 hours with the Nylander comments and the Matthew contract, it did quell any of that. But I just don't think there was ever any real concern from most people about this contract getting done. The one thing I was certain about was that Austin Matthews was not showing face in the city without a contract extension. William Nylander could sit there and he could eat those questions every day for the entire season, and it just doesn't phase him. Clearly that's not the case for Matthews, and he didn't want to answer it. So I just had to start a camp as kind of a drop-dead date that I figured it was going to get done by. So I don't know how much it eases the tension. There's definitely some – worry and question marks about the team, Sheldon Keith back, what's that going to look like again? Those are all questions. But just because of the certainty around Matthews coming back, I think that's, that's why the, the signing As crazy as it sounds for them, locking up a guy who has a chance to be the best player in franchise history and all that, that it really doesn't change much as far, as far as um, you know, the, the fan base is uh, easiness heading into this season.
0: This might seem like a weird angle to take to it. I know that when we look at Cap Friendly and we analyze the deal, it'll be the signing GM of of Brad Sherliving that gets this deal done with Austin Matthews. But does Kyle Dubas get a a slight amount of credit in your mind for building up a a strong foundation that Brad got to work off of and one that clearly had Austin Matthews comfortable enough to sign this sort of extension and, and put them on good terms even when he did leave the organization and move on to Pittsburgh?
1: I think if you're going to look at it from that lens, and I want to make sure I'm clear in answering this, you'd be hard-pressed to find a much bigger kind of Duvis backer in Toronto than me. Like, I've just been a believer in the vision he put forward. I think if you're going to take that angle with it, though, you can't put that on Duvis. You can give a little bit of it to him. You have to put that on Shanahan, and quite honestly, I know the players all hated him, but you have to put that on Mike Babcock. He was the guy who famously said in his... Introduction presser that when it's safe, guys are going to want to come home. And he meant that about guys from the GTA wanting to play at home. But he also meant it about guys not wanting to run away from there. And Austin Matthews was in the fold a year later after he said that. So I understand the way you're looking at it. I've seen a lot of people go the other way that, hey, any blame you want to put at Brad for living for this only being a four year deal, you have to lay it at the feet of Kyle Dubas. And I think there's something to that. I don't think you can look at this uh, this negotiation in a vacuum as to where True Living was. I just think sometimes people have this fan fiction of a uh, you know a Brad True Living type or a Lou yeah. Lamorello type would have just, well, he would have looked Matthews in the eye, and Matthews <laughs> would have said, okay, I'm sorry, it is eight, it's not five. That's the thing I've always pushed back against. But if you're going to look at it from the idea of building up the organization to be a, a safer place, a place that seems less frantic, then I think you've got to give or you can give Dubis credit for part of that. But I think it mostly has to go to, to kind of Shanahan and MLSE as a whole because they were building that before Dubis got the car keys there. And if you want to look at the pieces of the roster, you know, Mitch Varner, very nice one. John Tavares, very nice one. William Nylander, for sure. But the pieces that are here that we like are the kind of easy pieces to put in play. There is not a ton of... Organizational depth, you know, even the guys you like outside of that, your your TJ Brodie's, your you know guys of that ilk, yeah. they're here for one more year. It's not some bones of the organization going forward. So I'm a massive, massive dubious guy, but I think that uh, I, I think that you got to kind of spread the wealth a little when you if you're going to take that angle. No,
0: no, it. fair enough. Uh, to those guys you just mentioned, John Tavares and Mitch Marner, they have two years remaining on their deal. And, and look, it might be, it might frankly not affect them at all? It might just be a, a causality sort of thing. But do you think that this makes life easier for Brad to live in going forward with negotiations for those two in particular, knowing that Austin signed up, even if it's not for a long term, but to know that he's got the big piece signed up, and those two can see the future together with Austin Matthews for a couple of seasons when their deals are done?
1: I think with John Tavares, depending on how much tread is left on the tires there, he's going to have a pretty cut-and-dry decision to make. He can, in all likelihood, continue to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he can do it making very little money uh, from the from the hockey club, or he can go continue his career elsewhere. I just think that's the way this is going to kind of tread trend with him. With Marner, I think that deal yesterday opens up a opportunity. And again, you know, I don't know how much this is real. I don't know how much it's just stuff we perceive, but if Marner ever wants to kind of leap Matthews is the golden boy, boy, taking an eight year deal with kind of the same AAV would be a really, really good place to start. I don't expect him to do that. We all know where the cap's going. It's not going to be where it is now. By the time it's time for Marner to sign that deal. That's the thing I would watch for, is if we look at perception and we want to see how these guys are viewed among the fan base, among the league, if Marner and, let's say, Nylander walks because they can't find a deal that, that works for him here, if Marner is the only one of those guys to ever say, okay, fine, just give me the eight fair deal, whatever that is, that's still you know over $12 million a season or whatever it will be by the time the cap jumps up there, that's the thing I'm interested of. If Marner wants to take a similar tack to Matthews, I think that that contract yesterday just made Brad for living life uh, a whole lot more difficult in a couple of years time. But if you're going to have Marner under contract and he's going to continue to be the type of player he is, I think it's pretty similar. It's not the same because there's a gulf between Marner and Matthews. For there sure. is, yep. but it's pretty similar. It's pretty similar to how you look at it with Matthews and say, okay, you got a guy who's going to be under contract for, the peak of his, or you know, the bulk of his peak, it's going to go to probably thirty-one or thirty-two with Marner, just based on the age. Will be when that contract is up, then maybe that's the way you uh, you you got to go about it. So that's the interesting thing for me is watching if Marner really wants to be seen as the guy who's different. The best way to do it for him, the best way, will be to take an eight-year deal. But I would be holding my breath on that one.
0: I know when we talked uh, earlier this off-season about what Brad Chelvin had gotten done with some of those one-year deals and some of the big moves that he had made that you were pretty adamant and I obviously understand why uh, the, the, the big piece was still to get this, this Matthews deal done. Now that it's done now that the pieces are, are seemingly here for the roster and everybody's, you know, for the most part that we talked about Nylander and he's fine answering those kind of questions mid season. Is this finally the time as we're a couple of weeks out from training camp where you think Brad Trilliving can can sit back and maybe enjoy a cup of coffee as Leafs GM and, and sort of get ready for the season now that the, the big work of the 2023 off season has come to a, a conclusion for now.
1: Yeah. I think he, I think he's earned a week off or so. Yeah. I still, I will still maintain. I don't know why John Klingberg had to happen on the first day of free agency. <laughs> That's what I still quibble with, but yeah, I think the work is done. There are going to be guys who come in on the PTO. I think like every other team, they're starting up their rookie tournaments kind of mid September. And this is his chance to, uh, to catch a little break. And, Quite honestly, you know, well-deserved. He's got Matthews in the fold. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I love the term. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I love the contract. But Least Nation loves the player, and, and rightfully so. So good job by True Living. He's definitely uh, earned getting his feet up for five minutes.
0: Brent, great stuff as always, man. Really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join us today. Uh, enjoy the rest of the offseason, pal. I look forward to hooking up with you once Hockey's back.
1: Yeah, anytime. Happy to do it, man. Take T- care.
0: Take care. Appreciate it. Brent Gunning. Joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline for our sister station, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Austin Matthews pen to paper on a four-year contract extension that kicks in next season with an AAV of $13.25 million. Um, Once details have come out uh, and you get to go into cap friendly and those sort of things, you'll see that most of that deal uh, gets paid out in bonuses every single year for Austin Matthews. Uh, including a big chunk of it uh, when the deal officially kicks in uh, next summer, the first year of his contract extension. So uh, good for, as you heard from Brent, as far as a four-year deal goes, you'd obviously love, I love what he said, you know, taking that perspective of, yes, you'd love to get eight. There's no doubt uh, about it. You would have loved to have signed Austin Matthews to an eight-year contract. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't in his, it wasn't in Brad Treliving's control. It wasn't in Kyle Dubas' control. This was simply what Austin Matthews was willing to do. And for anybody that was on the other side of it, when he signed his first five-year contract and said, well, look, you didn't get him to an eight-year deal then. Well, you kind of have now it's been split up in between two contracts and the AAV has gone up considerably in both, but yeah, you've kind of got him there and it's nothing that Austin Matthews has ever quibbled about. It's nothing that he's ever lied about. He has maintained pretty much since the conversation began in Toronto, that he was going to be a member of the Maple Leafs long-term and that he wanted to to be a part of this team. And look, some guys just don't work in in eight-year intervals. As much as a team, as much as a fan base might love that to be, Austin Matthews has operated through a a flat cap system the last couple of years. It's a business from his perspective. He probably thinks in the, the term that comes up in four years or five years, I guess, uh, with the one year he has remaining on his previous contract the cap will have jumped significantly who knows if we're talking about a 15 20 percent jump in what the salary cap is between what it is uh, yesterday when he signed and what it is in five years time when that contract comes up again and is, he's due for a new one he could be looking at a massive raise and Look, is it kind of the way I know we talked about this with Pat yesterday on the program when uh, on Flames talk when this happened and was coming down live. This is kind of an NHLer's way of maintaining some year-to-year value in a salary cap world. It's a difficult thing to do because if you sign up for eight years, well, you don't get a sliding scale, right? You don't you don't sign a contract saying I'm worth. This percentage of the salary cap year after year. You you've signed for your AAV. That's what it is from day one until the end of it in, in eight years. As far as Austin Matthews goes, he's got the leverage. He's a 60 goal scorer. He's a phenomenal NHLer. And we'll have other NHLers coming up in the next couple of years, whether it's Leon Dreisidle, whether it's Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard, guys who will have their opportunity to set their standard and say, hey either you're okay taking an eight year term and understanding that your contract isn't going to change in, in value over that term, or you can operate like a guy like Austin Matthews does and say, Hey, I know the landscape financially of this league is going to be dramatically different. By the time I'm done my contract, I'm still going to have value as a 30 year old player at that point. I'm, I'm fine looking at it from, from that perspective, in a couple of years time, it doesn't make everybody happy, but if you're a Leafs fan, you've, you've guaranteed yourself five more years of one of the best. And I know that he's Austin Matthews and his presence in Toronto can be uh, threatening to other superstars. It doesn't matter. It, the comparison part to me is irrelevant whether you think he's better than Connor or Leon or whether you think he's not as good as Elias Pettersson or whatever. The fact of the matter is he's a dynamic superstar he deserves what he got paid and good on him for, you know, not just, uh, you know, as Brent sort of said in that conversation there, feeling the, the need because lots of other NHL stars signed for eight-year deals, feeling that he has to be involved in the exact same way because he doesn't, and a lot of times in the salary cap world, we don't see players, in my mind at least, getting the chance to, to sort of flex their muscle financially uh, with teams and I think we saw a bit of that with Austin Matthews. Maybe not in dollar amount, it's still a lot of money don't get me wrong, but in the fact that he's going to get paid again uh, substantially in, in five years time. Uh, thanks again to Brent Gunning for joining us. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, he works for uh, our sister station Sportsnet 590 the Fan, in Toronto. He's been hosting some morning shows uh, host of Leafs Nation uh, as well. Uh, does a lot of great things there. Appreciate him jumping on with us. This afternoon, that's our one in the books. We heard from Rasmus Anderson, his conversation with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast and a little bit of Blue Jays talk after a disappointing loss last night to the Baltimore Orioles podcast will be up in just moments after the hour finishes up at Google, Amazon, Spotify or wherever you get your favorite podcast. When we come back, kicking off hour two, two of my favorites joining the program. Yes, Pat Steinberg's along with us. And we're chatting with our pal, Adnan Vert. That, as Sportsnet Today rolls on, it's live on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.